0: Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure, and this is Hallis Intrigue. Jason, on tonight's episode, or tomorrow's, or the next day's, depending on when when you're listening to it, we will talk about the Bears' utterly bizarre 29-22 loss to the Vikings on Sunday. We'll uh, analyze what Justin Fields did better and did worse. We'll talk about what Matt Eberflus did to try to pull out the come-from-behind victory. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue.
1: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th
0: at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, you and I are sitting here in the U.S. Bank Stadium press box, by the way, a lovely press box, a lovely stadium and, uh, and something to which the Bears should aspire, and trying to figure out what the heck to make out of this twenty nine to twenty two loss to the Bears or to the Vikings. The Bears were down twenty one to three and then up what, twenty-two twenty-one? And gave up a touchdown in the last couple of minutes of the game. It's the only second half touchdown they've given up all year, by the way. Is this progress? Do we know?
1: Well, hard to say, Patrick. Um, I think that one of the things that happened today, and it is a bizarre game when you go from down 21-3 to up by one in the fourth quarter. And then where this fell apart for them is where I think the biggest problem lies. At the end of the game, their defense broke at the wrong time Mm -hmm. in an otherwise good second half. But, you know, every part of it counts. And Justin Fields, ends the, the offense's bid ends with Justin Fields throwing to a wide receiver named Amir Smith-Marset, mm-hmm. whom the Bears claimed off waivers from the Vikings in their effort to find cheap and available wide receivers, and he gets stripped and they lose the game. And so you see uh, various other issues, too. You see offensive line problems. Hey, we're used to that, right? Uh, you see all these problems, and Justin Fields all these problems around Justin Fields and what is maybe the best game of his career sinks meaninglessly into that ocean of deficiencies.
0: I think the Monday night game was better against the Steelers last year, but you could argue, and and I think we talked about this a little bit ago, the second half tonight was the best we've seen him play this season for sure. Uh, And he had the opportunity that I think Bears fans are curious about and that we are curious about, which is what happens when, it's up to him to go win them the game. And he had the opportunity to do that. Gets the ball with about two minutes left. Uh, the operation isn't, I mean, the Bears said they were happy with the operation, but there was a sack there. A couple of the big gains he got were little flips to David Montgomery, and David Montgomery did all the work. But at the end of the day, Amir Smith-Marset has got the ball at the 39 going in and, it, and has an opportunity on the left-hand sideline to step out of bounds. He doesn't. He tries to cut it up, thinking that the safety had overplayed him a little bit. And the safety literally just yanks the ball out yep. of his hands. That is something that is unacceptable, whether you are a waiver wire acquisition uh, at the start of the season or a you know 10-year starter. And it really robbed us of an opportunity to see what Justin could do.
1: That's a real big problem because you need to see what he can do, and this would have been the perfect opportunity to evaluate him in just tonight, You couldn't have drawn up a better situation, Pet. Right. Let's see Justin Fields, two-minute drill, down seven, one timeout against a decent team. Like This is a great time to find out what you've got in Justin Fields. And if Amir Smith-Marset, it, let's just say if he doesn't get stripped, mm-hmm. they're at the 39, they probably burn a timeout in that case, and they've got over a minute left. If he just steps out of bounds, you're talking about them being at the 42-yard line, at the Minnesota 42, with a minute seven and a timeout that is plenty with which to work. Yep. And you are robbed of seeing what Justin Fields would do in that situation. Maybe he makes a play you never forget. Maybe he makes an incredible play to win the game, and you say, maybe this is it. Maybe the Bears, in their infinite ways to lose, come up with some other debacle. But you just have to imagine it. Right. I, it doesn't exist. Maybe they, what exists is Cam Dantzler running the other way with the ball, and the game's over.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe they score, and maybe they go for two, <laughs> and maybe they win the game. Yeah, you, you don't know. But the issue, the issue is that the Bears have surrounded fields with a lot of with a lot of players who, on most teams, wouldn't and shouldn't be playing.
1: Uh, Smith marcel wouldn't be playing on the Vikings.
0: Yeah, because they cut him, and. We've talked all season about how they are hampering his development, the Bears are, for, for a whole lot of reasons. Some of them play calling, some of them you know, personnel. I, I think you and I both come down on the fact that the personnel deficiency is worse than the play calling deficiency for sure. And now we saw very plainly what happens when you trust a guy like that.
1: Yeah, you saw issues with the offensive line too. I mean, there was a play where Sam Mustafer snapped the ball into Justin Fields' gut. At, I think they were at their own 14. That's a drive under for the Bears. First down, you snap, you get, you get, end up at second and 11 from the 13. Like you, They're not climbing out of that, and of course they didn't climb out of that. Um, I don't think that this offensive line is working, although Justin Fields navigated pressure pretty well mm-hmm. today. He had pretty good sense in the pocket. He had pretty good patience. He said he felt like he kind of slowed down and played the way he wanted to play. Um, but I don't know where any of the solutions to this are. I mean, the solutions are to go back in time and do a better job if you're Ryan Poles in the off season, which I think all of us were saying that he needed to, right? This is not this is not a uh, playing the result situation. Mm-hmm. This is we knew that they had to strip it down a little bit and they had to cut costs and they need to prioritize their opportunity for 2023 and for agency right. and in the draft, but not not going so far in that effort that you. Don't give Justin Fields enough to work with in 2022 because you. there's nothing more important, Pat. Nope. Either him developing or him at least getting a
0: legitimate chance to develop,
1: and then you can see, okay, he's not in.
0: Justin Fields' numbers today, a 15 for 21 for 208 passing yards. He had his first passing touchdown in, since week one. It was a pop pass on a sweep. It was essentially a handoff, but it'll count. He had a passer rating of 118.8, and that should get him – out of the basement among the NFL's starters, he only took two sacks, which, given the way he 'd been getting hit lately, is an accomplishment all in all, a pretty professional stat line for him' it's his and, first
1: time over a hundred, I believe in passer rating
0: yeah, and just the context of this game, and Mark potash is here and, and will join us shortly with his game balls, but you know the context of this game, Jason, where you know we've said all season or i 've said all season that this is a team that can 't play chase, this is a team that can't. <laughs> Scramble to try to make up points.
1: A team that can't be down twenty-one to three in the blink of an eye,
0: and they were, and then they they managed to crawl back in and take a lead. You know, and some of it was because Matt Iberflus decided to be aggressive. Some of it was because he decided to be aggressive and failed, and, and and they scored kind of you know despite themselves. There were there was a touchdown at the end of the first half that was that um, was preceded by uh, Darnell Mooney's ridiculous uh, one handed. Uh, catch for 39 yards, and then the Bears come back in the first drive of the second half and score there. Go for two and miss it, and then Eberflus calls an onside kick. Yeah, I, I had just written about this, Jason, but you know they'd scored one touchdown in the previous eight quarters before the second quarter on Sunday. Now they score on back-to-back drives, and he decides that he wants to try and pull a fast one and, and get the ball back. I'm good with it because. You know, In the back of my mind was still how much the Vikings had just run roughshod exactly. over the Bears. Uh, but that's the side of the head coach I hadn't seen before. Kind of a, a little bit of an aggression out of him. This is a guy whose entire defensive ethos is don't take chances, don't take chances, don't take chances. And he did. And even though it didn't pay off, I think it taught us something about him. And it made perfect sense
1: to me, like you were saying, about the way the, way the game was going at that point. There was a lot of logic behind right. taking that risk.
0: Right. Potsy, do you have have the game balls? Sure do. Can you put your bag down first before you uh, come in? Your bag full of game balls?
2: Yeah, yeah. As a
0: quick reminder, Mark Potash uh, assigns a a game ball to uh, someone on offense, defense, and special teams. He should have no shortage of candidates today. And as he puts down his hefty sack of game balls, uh, he is now reaching into, what is this, burlap? He's reaching in to pull one out. To symbolically hold it in the air while he awards the offensive game ball to.
2: For the record, they're not actual game balls. They're just. I'm looking at a, them right now. Award. It's
0: a theater of the mind. Yeah. Patsy. Oh, okay. Sit down.
2: All right. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yeah. No, they're pretty easy today, I guess, for a Bears game that uh, I feel like was uh you know, I, I think in the big picture, a step forward for for this team and and uh, I I guess. Um, well, I guess we'll get right into it. Offensively, Darnell Mooney. That catch was just. Yeah. I mean. I give credit to Justin fields this was an important game for him, and maybe the most important uh development was just that he's you know wasn't he wasn't going backwards okay and that was good but I have to say that catch by darnell Mooney not only was it a fabulous catch, but I feel like it changed the momentum of the game I think it gave people hope uh i think it 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 uh it had an effect on both teams and you saw a pretty uh pretty significant turn in the way this game went off of that fantastic catch i mean that was Odell Beckham Jr., right? Isn't that, isn't that his forte? Um, so anyway, so he's clearly the uh, – uh, gets the offensive game ball. Uh, defense – Whoa, whoa, whoa. So
0: Slow down. This is our excuse to analyze what you say and oh, okay. talk further about the game. Yeah, okay. I talked when, – when I talked to Mooney in the locker room, Mooney said that before the series started, he went up to Justin and he said, listen, man, we got to do something. You either got to take off and run or we need to give the team a spark. And he comes out in the first play of the drive, he heaves it deep, and uh, and Mooney just makes that play. You know, they, to go from 21-3 to 3 to 21-10 was pretty important. But just, just, it feels like every time this team starts a game, you know, that first drive is usually pretty good. And then they hit the doldrums right away. Right. And it's usually because they can't do anything through the air. This kind of solved both problems in one play.
2: It did, and... Um... Like I said, it, it had a huge impact, I think, all over the game. But, you know, it's, this is a minor, minor point. It's never a bad thing to have your your guy on the on, on all the national highlights. You know what I'm saying? This is good. That's going to be a play that is going to get national attention. I think that's just a good thing for the Bears. I think it's a good thing for Darnell Mooney. I think that'll help him because, you know, he had kind of a rough start. I just think overall, for one play, normally in a loss especially, you're not going to give too much uh, emphasis on one play. But I just thought that was just a fabulous play by him and um and you know like you said it had an important thing it gave them it gave them something that they hadn't been uh it gave them a consistency in scoring that they had that they hadn't had I don't know if that's a breakthrough maybe it'll change next week who knows but i think it was still a, 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 that, that was one of one of the positives one of the uh, and that's subtle positives, but just one of the positives out of a loss that sometimes gets kissed off and I don't think should be.
0: And to paraphrase Bill Veck, fun is good, and nobody has accused the Bears of being fun this season. So something like that that pops up is never a bad thing. What do you got on defense, Posse? On
2: defense, I'm going with uh, a play that I think was obviously big in the game, but also big for a particular player, Kendall Vildor's interception, uh, which um, I guess I don't know the particular. I mean, we did I did talk to him, so it looked like he – it looked like he just made a good read and just, you know, it was a good play by him as far as uh, having a little bit of an idea of what was going to happen and, and, and reading the quarterback. And it was not just one of those interceptions where, hey, I just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. He actually played, you know, played for that interception, got it. It, had a, it. At that point in the game, that's where you thought, hey, they've done more than just be, been resilient. You know, they've done more than just stayed in this game. They could actually win it. And sure enough, they had a, a golden opportunity to do it. And I thought – Good play by a player who really needed it because that secondary, uh, I can i don't know if you can say—got torched by uh, by Justin Jefferson because there weren't any really really huge you know big um, uh, you know long plays or whatever. But uh, boy, that uh, their um, their uh, approach to stopping or I guess containing uh, Justin Jefferson, I don't think worked very well at all.
0: No, it no, it didn't. And with Jalen Johnson missing. Uh, today's game with, with the quad injury, he suffered in practice two and a half weeks ago. That uh, Bears defensive backfield, particularly at corner, is not not very good right now. Uh, you wonder whether Jalen will have a chance to play Thursday. I, I think the upshot of him not playing today is, yeah. is that you might get a rested and ready Jalen Johnson at a time when the commanders and the Bears aren't yeah. going to be. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that this week, Potsy or oh, Jason. what's
1: Well, Eddie Ad- Jackson actually said uh, when he was talking about Jalen Johnson's absence today and how problematic it was, and how problematic it it always would be for them because he's by far their best corner. He said Patrick very matter-of-factly that he it, that Jalen Johnson is going to be back on Thursday.
2: It seemed that way because he. Uh, I know. I mean, I was wrong as it turned out, but. Uh, for he, he looked about as prepared to play for as a doubtful player has. Uh, that, you know, it's, been, it's been since 2020 that a player who's listed as doubtful has actually played in the game. It was Allen Robinson when he had a concussion. But generally, that's out. That means out. I think we've all learned that. And this I could just tell by the way he was talking, and that he was talking on Friday, I think it was, that, that he was pretty a lot closer than doubtful. And you could also tell, just like you saw from... Um, I think it was Valis when he the week before he played. You could tell that he just physically looked good, even in the warm-ups. I mean, uh, um, he didn't do a whole lot, but he was doing more than, than than normal. So he definitely looks ready and probably needed him more today than they will on Thursday, as it turns out. But, you know, time, timing is everything.
0: Uh, Thursday might be a more winnable game, though. And who do you have on special teams?
2: Special teams have got to go with, you know, the Bears are just an unbelievable place-kicking uh, role. You know, anybody they throw in there now, uh, irony of ironies, just gets the job done. And I, you can't ignore. It. Uh, first, I will say, Dominique Robinson had a block. As it turns out, it was his block, and that and that was important too. But Cairo Santos, I mean, those aren't chip shot field goals he's making the last two weeks, right? I mean, I think he had what fifty one today, and fifty fifty one and forty three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are they were pretty important. Obviously, one gave him a lead. Um, just I think for this team, having a dependable kicker. Uh, is is huge, and I have to admit, in the back of my mind, I'm embracing for him to hit some kind of slump when they need it most, you know, the Bears, right. that's, that's how it works, but right now, he's going great, he's very dependable, and uh, he's uh, obviously, I think, pretty deserving uh, for the game ball on, on special teams.
0: And we do forget, because he came back on Monday, that, you know, he did miss last week with the personal issue, I talked to him about just kind of, you know, him spending a couple of days away from kicking. About how he needed to get back in his daily rhythm and all of that. He certainly seems like he's done that. You know, they had that onside kick. Looked pretty good to me, uh, but uh, but Matt Matt Adams is just a split second late falling on it.
2: Yes, that is that is true. <laughs> and-
0: That'll do it for game balls. Thank you, Mark Potash. <laughs> um, uh, Jason, I want you to jump in here real quick before we go. Uh, the Bears are in an unusual position here where they – they're going to play again on Thursday and then not again until the following Monday. This is as close to a bye as they're going to have until their actual bye, which is December, what, second week of December, something like that, the latest bye of the season. What do you think the next couple of days are going to be like for them as they try to turn around and get ready for Washington? And, and is the break going to be helpful, or are they still so young that, that rest isn't a giant deal?
1: The break is what I'm really interested in, Pat. I think the next few days, what you're going to see, they're playing Washington at home. That helps. Washington's terrible. They're 1-4. They have Carson Wentz, at quarterback. I think that you probably, as a lot of teams have to in this case, going Sunday to Thursday, you you can't change anything, really. You don't really have the, the luxury of making big changes. But it's that break after that, where I think they have 11 days or so between the Washington game and the game at New England. If you want to tinker with your offensive line, for example, that's the time to do it. And I just don't think this offensive line is working. They they obviously are, in theory, playing their best guys, so the guys behind them are not going to be upgrades, but it's time to reevaluate all options. Alex Leatherwood, I believe, would be back in play. Uh, I think he could be back in play now, couldn't he? But Probably not going to do that for the Washington game, but uh, you, you need to really... Rethink the offensive line, and that break between Washington and New England is the time to do it.
0: Yeah, and it seems like the opportunity would be uh, to move Lucas Patrick over from guard, left guard to center and try and find somebody to plug in at left guard there. And, and maybe that's Leatherwood. Uh, I think he might, you know, that's where the Raiders decided he was best, was at a guard position. But, you know, again, if he's had mono for a month. You know, I don't know that you can bring them back on a Monday and play them on a Thursday.
2: But again, it's the first time this line's played together. They have no, <clears throat> they have no experience. I think, for, personally, I think it's too early to panic on that. And uh, I think, you know, I, I think what they need mo- most is experience because this on this roster, they're not going to get that much better. What they're basically looking for, <clears throat> and, not, and not that that won't happen. What Jason is, Jason is saying is that you can throw other guys in there, but you're basically looking for some kind of magic that you find some kind of magic chemistry you find among less than stellar players. And I don't know if, I mean, I think they're, uh, they're agreeable to doing that, but much more in the training camp situation than in the regular season. I don't think they're ready to give up on this one um, right now. I I think they're going to stick with it and um, they might jumble some things around, but, uh, but I think, I think, uh, I think they still need uh, to play together more, but to really see what you've got, I just think it's a little bit early to, to make too many changes. Jason, unless, you got ta- unless you have tackle issues, right? I mean, right. Well, and, and do they? I mean, that's, you know.
0: I think, I think their tackles have been okay. Yeah. Not, not great, but okay. And uh, before we get out of here, I just want to, and Posse Jason and I talked about this a little bit, but Justin Jefferson, 12 of 13 for 154 yards. Kirk Cousins completed the first 17 balls. He threw 30, 32 for 41 for 296. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 18 for 94. Average 5.2 yards a carry. This is a professional offense, unlike one that Bears had seen, maybe with the exception of the Packers, coming into today. I'm not sure they're going to see another one in the next couple of weeks because Washington's not very good, and the Patriots, You know, no offense to Bailey Zappi and their you know 40-point beatdown of the Lions, I'd, I don't know that the Patriots offer a, a variety of ways to beat you the way that the Vikings do. Was this our reminder, at least the first half, that the Bears' defense – um, is going to be outclassed by some offenses this season. Yeah,
2: I, I think so. I think it did, this this was a little bit of a litmus test and and a kind of a barometer, I guess, because, like you said, this is you know people look at like Kirk Cousins is like you know some a, a guy who's shy of being the elite level or not up to snuff, but on the level the Bears are at, as you saw today, even when he was great at the beginning, the the Bears got the better of him in the second half. But when it came to it, he it came down to it. He was. He was better than average and and, and won the game. So I think it was a big test for the Bears. I don't think their defense is uh, is maybe um, as good as I thought it was going to be. Certainly not at this stage. It's not. I thought it would be better. And I'm just basing it on what Iberflus' defense did in Indy with similar talent. But... um, but yeah, I think I think you're right, but I think, I think the best thing for them at this point, normally I don't say this, is to play some teams they can handle, just so they can kind of get their feet on the ground a little bit.
0: Yeah, when they needed the defense the most, they gave up on the final drive, uh, or the final meaningful drive before kneel downs. The Bears gave up first downs on third and one, third and four, third and five, third yeah. and eight, third and goal at the one.
2: And even worse was they had first and 15, they had second and 14, they had like... Third and eight, I can't remember what they, right. they, they they gave up. It was like they had this cushion that they were just asking for trouble. It's like they were afraid of the big play um, uh, when they really when when um, when the Vikings weren't in need of a big play. They had nine minutes left. To, to, I just didn't I didn't quite get that strategy because, like I mentioned in my story and we, we've talked about it, is that was a weird game winning uh, drive. Uh, From a defensive standpoint, and that there were no major lapses, there were no obvious, overt, you know, uh, missed, uh, you know, misplays or whatever, and uh, they just, uh, you know, a good offense, just kind of tactically and efficiently, just uh, nickel and dimed them, and and that that made the difference in the game. But you know, that it was interesting for the Bears because fourth quarter, that second half, that's been there. Uh, that's been their strength, second-half defense. And and when it came down to it, in a moment of extreme decision, as they say, uh, they failed.
0: Jason used to laugh at me. I think, was it last year or the year before that we talked about the Bears' defense, and my declaration was that they didn't feel dangerous to me. They were just good. Uh, this defense, to me, is absolutely not dangerous. One sack, three quarterback hurries right. all day. Uh, that's, I mean, their their strength is playing a soft shell and daring you to, you know, complete 17 straight in a row, which Kirk Cousins obliged. But Jason, is there anything they can do to fix this up or, or, I mean, we're looking at Robert Quinn and, you know, al Qadi Muhammad. I mean, these pass rushers that they're relying on, Travis Gibson, these aren't rookies. These are guys who shouldn't need time to adjust to this new system. These are guys who should be you know, walk, getting off the bus ready to rush the passer, right? Yeah, I
1: think you're be- – I, I agree with Mark. I thought things were going better defensively than they have now proven to have gone. And mm-hmm. when you look at where they can improve, it would be – there is some cause to believe that they could improve internally on defense. You expect at some point Kyler Gordon to play a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominique Robinson, maybe. Maybe they found something there in a late fifth-round pick that he develops into – more of a starting pass rusher by mid to three-quarters season. I don't know. Um, And Roquan Smith, maybe we see some improvement from him as he continues to acclimate to the new scheme. I I do think their defense has been uh, surprisingly problematic, but there's more personnel-wise, there's more cause for optimism that things could turn around with what they have than there is on offense.
0: Well, and also, Patsy, that's what these guys do well, right? Matt Eberflus has a head coaching job because he knows how to turn a roster of middling defensive players into a good defense. Uh, you'd think that just naturally that would be more likely to happen here than, say, the offense ma- right. making a big leap.
2: And we've seen from a, uh, outside of personnel, which you, know, you, only, you can only deal with what you have— uh, this coaching staff has actually been pretty, been pretty effective, I think, in building a team. I mean, they've tried to instill this uh, mental and this physical and mental toughness, this mental toughness that will make them resilient in games. And they have shown that on defense, even when they're not good. Mm-hmm. They've always been better in the second half. Uh, they've outlasted teams and, uh, you know, they came up short this time. But if they can do that, um, then I think there's hope that, uh, that they will improve also as the season goes on. You know, I just think the one thing we've know, we know about this team is that this, the ceiling is low. Yeah. The, their ceiling is low, and, and they're only going to get so good. But I still say, and uh, I know you get, it probably gets tired of hearing it's early, it's early, it's early. But the you know, first year of a program, um, I, I don't know, I'm not making any judgments until at least the halfway point. So I'll give them that to show improvement. Um and, and and we'll see what happens. But uh you know today yeah. I I, well, I guess my point is they have consistently shown that something Eberf wants to do, it wants his teams to be uh ir- regardless of talent, uh is no matter how good or bad they are, it wants them to be better at the end of games and at the beginning and they are. Now they've just gotta find a way to get better at the beginning of games. Right.
0: And as a wise man once said, never underestimate the uh, mediocrity Medi- of the NFL, NFL. Yes. Uh, the fact that the bears have a very live chance to be 3 and 3 through 6 games tells you all you need to know about the teams they're playing uh, more right. so and than in a them. chance
2: to win a game that most a lot of teams would have gotten blown out like 45 to 10 right. by a by a better team than the vikings or a team that's you know less prone to being to turning mediocre in an instant like the vikings Nothing against the
0: Vikings. (laughs) Nothing against the Vikings. (laughs) With all due respect to the Vikings, that'll do it from here. Uh, As always, check out the Sun-Times online or pick up a newspaper. As you may have read, we no longer have a paywall, which is very good news for you guys. The reader, please consider donating if you would like as well. You can follow Jason, Mark, and I on Twitter. You can't donate to us through there, but maybe, you know, if you want to, you can find a way. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no potsy. I don't, I don't know. Personally
2: are you talking about? Yeah, yeah,
0: just yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll put something? our cash app up there. I don't
2: think that's it's gonna fly. <laughs> that would probably... be an interesting thing. You 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 donate to the <laughs> sports writer to the writer you want that you like. <laughs> oh man, what a competition that would be. We'll pitch
0: that to the bosses. Until then, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and uh, as always like, rate, and review the podcast. Right. Uh, until Thursday. He is Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley, he's Mark Potash. Thanks so much for listening.